Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Our reading today is from the book of Luke, which is from the Gospels. The Gospels are the stories that we have describing the life of Jesus. And if you read the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus predicted a lot of important things, a lot of crucial things in his life. And so, for example, Jesus predicted that he would be executed by the state for, for the radical way that he was presenting God's love. Uh, Jesus predicted that he, after being executed, would be brought back to life to show that God's love is greater than the violence of any powers that be. And that resurrection would give uh, new people life. That Jesus predicted that. Jesus predicted that uh, uh, even after his life and time was done, that God would provide what we call the Holy Spirit so that God would be able to continue to be in solidarity with people. And so the, whenever we experience God from singing songs at worship or through prayer, through being outside in nature, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Jesus predicted that. But perhaps the most amazing thing relevant to today that Jesus predicted is that one day there will be uh, one day there will be judging Christians. This <laughs> this is something that Jesus predicted. He was looking around at his movement two thousand years ago and was like, uh oh, there might be some judgmental Christians. And he told this story that we just read from specifically today to try to prevent. Uh, some a certain judgmental Christian, an exclusionary kind of Christian, because he was looking around and seeing how, just like any college freshman who suddenly is an expert in every uh, <laughs> type of every discipline and structure, who took a 101 class and now can like medically diagnose people, uh, just like a college freshman, Jesus was looking at this movement and was like, you know people are starting to develop opinions about what is right and wrong and how to develop their soul. And sometimes when people just start that journey, they can be kind of judgmental of the people who haven't done that. That's a tendency that Jesus saw uh, in his time and is certainly present now. And Jesus says, like, I want you to really take a look at your own faith and not just let it become another tool to judge other people. Like, that faith might be something else. Because the truth is that there are folks who are kind of like the freshman equivalent of Christian, <laughs> who uh, come to church, maybe come because it feels good or because you can connect to people, read a couple Bible verses, and all of a sudden leverage their faith for the sake of judging other people or excluding other people. This is the danger of what I might call a shallow Christianity. Because ultimately, Christianity is about the love that God is showing you every day and about the love that is setting us all free. We are practicing Christianity because we are trying to invite God's love into our lives more every day. And the more we do it, the more we realize that our whole existence depends on God's love. This is what it means to be Christian. And uh, that's the whole deep point of it. But sometimes people engage Christianity as like, okay, so just give me a punch list of who I can exclude from church 
and that's, and that's how I will live out my faith. Um, I don't think that's what Jesus was really about. And I think that his, uh, uh, the illustration that we saw today is Jesus trying to say, like, Christianity is supposed to be expansive. Church is supposed to be expansive. The success of a church is marked by how many more expansive groups of our society can be included in church. That's kind of like the hope of that. And I know that a lot of folks at Northeast United Methodist are here because you believe that church should be something that's open and affirming. And I mean, that's why we are supportive of the LGBTQ community. I mean, probably more than supportive. Uh, probably, probably fully endorsing, willing to show up to a very, I mean, like there's a, there's a lot of queer energy in the in Northeast United Methodist. I'm just gonna say that. Um, uh, so like certainly, there's um, an openness, a commitment to openness at Northeast. And by the way, openness doesn't mean openness without boundaries or openness without accountability, right? Like sometimes churches are like, oh, we're open-minded. And that means that we let people in our church do harmful or hurtful things. And it's like, no, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what openness means. Openness means that with accountability and, and uh, community, we can create something that is increasingly inclusive. A lot of folks at Northeast are like, yep, I'm on board with that. This is what I'm this is what I'm signing up for when I come to Northeast. Ideologically, the big idea of inclusion. So today we're going to drill down from this big idea of an inclusive Christianity into the very particular, extremely pragmatic art of living with another person. Today we are going to talk about uh, 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 tidying a shared space. <laughs> Something people are like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't know. <laughs> I want to be inclusive, but I don't want to have to learn how to share my space with someone else well, you know? Like this, <laughs> do you see how, like, when we can learn how to share spaces well with people, that will teach us how to learn community well with people. <laughs> like if we can't practice our faith in our own home, then how in the world are we gonna practice our faith anywhere else in the world, including church? Like it, our faith must matter for our home life as well as our church and societal life. And the most practical way to approach this is by looking at our shared space. So I just want to name that sometimes it's a lot more fun and easy to uh, judge your roommate or whoever you're living with than deal with your own stuff. <laughs> this is what Jesus is talking about. Um, and when I say roommate, I don't want to assume that everyone is cohabitating with a spouse or a romantic partner. Lots of people in lots of different uh, life situations at both New City and Northeast. So this is kind of like if you have a roommate or if you're living in a co-op, or maybe you have your own living space, but then you share an office space with someone or a school space with someone, a community garden plot with someone. I'm using cohabitation as a metaphor for any time that you have to share a space with anyone. So uh, just kind of translate that in your head. But Jesus is saying sometimes 
It's easy to externalize blame on the people that we are living with instead of kind of taking a look at the hard stuff of our own work. That's that splinter and log metaphor. Jesus is like, sure it's easy to look at that splinter in someone else's eye instead of seeing the log that is in your own eye. And certainly this is relevant. Um, so, uh, uh, in a cohabitation scenario, there's always going to be someone who's less tidy and someone who's tidier. And usually, the two ends of that spectrum judges the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes uh, the less tidy person judges the, the tidier person because they're so controlling or rigid or just like dominating the space. What am I, like, why, why do we have to make a big deal out of this? And, and there's some judgment that goes in that direction. But it can go the other way too, can it? If you're a tidier person and seeing someone leaving their, their things in the wrong spot, it's like, ah, that hurts my brain to even look at that. And like, and then there's some judgment in, in that, right? Um, and so today we're gonna be really examining and trying to get really practical about this. Because when we really do prayerful work, when you do faith work, you start to realize that just those little things that, that are um, bothering you, tweaking you, those things that you're judging, might be indicative of larger things. And then we call that logs. And so for example, the splinter is that the dishes aren't clean. I can't believe that my roommate didn't clean the dishes. But the log is, sometimes I feel like I contribute more to this relationship or this household than someone else. So it's like about the dishes, but it's not about the dishes. Do you know, it's more about like feeling like there's fairness in this situation that both people are kind of pulling their weight in the relationship. The splinter might be, oh my gosh, there's this mess left on the table, even when we talked about not having messes on the table. But the log is, my partner doesn't care how I feel. Because I told my partner, I don't like it when there's a mess on the table, and then here's my partner leaving a mess on the table, and that must mean that he doesn't care about me. You know, like, that's the, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, the deeper uh, concern. The splinter might be, um, oh my gosh, this laundry is just in this pile instead of tidied it in, in where it's supposed to be. But the log might be what every person in their 20s and 30s is saying to themselves, which is, I have $100,000 in student loan debt and debilitating anxiety, and my roommate is an accomplice in my own demise. <laughs> a lot of young people feeling that right now. A lot of young people feeling that. But it always comes out as laundry, right? But it's really, <laughs> there's, there's more at stake here. For the record, I have the um, privilege to not have $100,000 in student loan debt and anxiety, so don't feel like you have to caretake for that. But uh, there's, uh, this, I mean, these, this is the reality of life. This is real life. And Jesus is trying to challenge us to look at our real life and look at our day-to-day -day things and think of how we can apply our faith to even these kind of like small interactions, these small things. Because if we can apply them to small things, then maybe we'll be able to apply them to bigger things. I, I submit to you that whenever you feel like you might want to judge 
the person you're living with, sharing space with in whatever capacity, that that might be an invitation to pray. That might be your cue. Before you're kind of like ready to criticize someone else, it might be a good invitation to just offer up to God what you're experiencing. Saying, God, what do you think about that terrible laundry in the pile? <laughs> what do you think about the messy table? God, how might I love a little bit more like you in this relationship? Jesus Christ, how can my consciousness, how can my mind be a little bit more like your mind that is setting people free and liberated and loving? What does that mean in this particular conversation? That's the type of prayer that you can offer to God. And, and the way that prayer works is you, you offer it to God and then you wait and listen until God responds. <laughs> so anytime that you're experiencing this, it's a good idea for you to, um, to start with prayer. And I know that there are other folks in this room, by the way, who um, their, their cross to bear is not from being judgmental or too um, forceful with their roommate, but that they kind of like let their roommate walk all over them or their spouse walk all over them in terms of how the chores in the house. And maybe God is telling you, it's time to take up some space or it's time to assert some things. It's, it's all about your relationship with God. Um, so, uh, uh, if you go through prayer and you try to find the logs that are at play here and you try to do some deep work and you find that it's still time for you to have a conversation with your partner, your roommate, your uh, spouse about how you're sharing space, here's three steps that you can take, three steps that you can take to go about this. Um, so first off, I just really encourage you to prayerfully do this Marie Kondo process through all of your belongings. Um, starting with clothes, books, paper, miscellaneous, uh, you know, putting, picking up each item and seeing if it actually sparks joy in your gut. You know, not like, oh, maybe I'll need this, or I feel bad about getting rid of this, how can I possibly, but actually seeing if it sparks joy in your gut. And holding on to the things that do spark joy, and giving the things that don't spark joy to the planting birds so that they can bring it to the donation. Like that's, only during this sermon series. After this sermon series, do not give your things to the planter person. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I just, it's just worthwhile to start doing that with your own stuff. And the, the funny thing is about tidying is that even if you're not telling your partner to tidy their stuff, when you start tidying your stuff, sometimes by osmosis, they just kind of naturally start to look at some of their own stuff. That's the best case scenario. Uh, so, uh, so do that because it helps to cultivate what joy at home might look like for you. Uh, once you have a stronger sense of what joy at home looks like for you, talk to your roommate about what joy and accountability looks like. And I'm a big fan of writing things down. I know that feels kind of might feel litigious or kind of uh, overly structured, but I'm a big fan of like, we agree to the thing, let's put it to paper, not as a contract, but just as a reminder of what we're about. 
Um, I have a testimony. So one time I lived in Haifa, uh, which is like in Israel-Palestine, and Haifa is, um, Haifa University has both Israeli and Palestinian students at it. It's one of the only universities in that region that has both Israeli and Palestinian students at it. And usually the, their best practice was um, student housing on campus is divided. So there's uh, Israelis living with Israelis, Palestinians living with Palestinians, and then they do joint like classes and student activities and outings, but they kind of let people live in their own situation. That's that. The university found that that went um, that was their best practice. But I was assigned as I was studying abroad into an apartment where they made the administration made a mistake. So there was both Israelis and Palestinians living in the same apartment suite where I lived. So it was like four different rooms and then we shared a kitchen. And um, just as a sense of like the tension that was in the space, um, my dorm room had a regular wooden door and then it also had a bomb shelter door that had an airtight seal around it in case chemical warfare <laughs> happened in our region. So that's kind of like the tone of this, <laughs> like freshman year, hey everybody, get ready for the bomb shelter. Like that's kind of the tone of, of uh, what it was like. And so there I was living with two Palestinians, one Israeli, a guy from uh, India, and then there's me. And uh, I knocked on the doors of each of the roommates and said, I think it would be helpful if we all got together into uh, one conversation and just said, like, what does respect look like in this space in terms of chores, in terms of tidiness and keeping things together? And each of them said, I don't think, I don't think we need that. It, it's just common sense. You know, just use your common sense to keep the space and I'm sure it'll be fine. Just be respectful or whatever. And with um, counterintuitive to all of my Minnesotan roots, I was persistent and said, no, actually, I think I do need a conversation where we can all get together. So we all sat down at the kitchen table um, and, and we wrote down, like, what does taking out the trash look like? Who is responsible for taking out the trash? Who is responsible for clearing out the already molding food that's in the fridge? Like who is, what is the understanding of when quiet hours are? What's our guest policy? We wrote it all down. And I just want to testify to the Holy Spirit that by the grace of that one piece of paper, we made it through the semester without any issues. <laughs> Hallelujah! It was that and we ate a lot of Nutella together. <laughs> Unclear if it was good communication or just Nutella that brought world peace to that space, but I'm just saying, God, like that, there was a lot of tension in that dorm. And by being able to put some things out ahead of time, it prevented conflict down the road. And that plan included, if it's your job to do something and you don't do it, how would you like us to approach you about that thing. Like, that's what I mean by accountability. Are you the kind of person who's like, you want it write, written on the whiteboard? Do you want us to knock on your door and literally have it do it? Like, just game this out with us. How would you like accountability to look like? Because if we can practice that now when we're not at each other's throats, 
then later when we're really mad at each other, we already have a practice round going for us. So uh, I just want to name, God works amazing things uh, through these types of conversations. And then lastly, um, the trick is to gently but consistently reinforce what, what you talked about. It kind of delegitimizes the whole process if you're like, we are never going to put our mail on the dining room table. And then the day after you put the mail on the dining room table, or you let your roommate put mail on the dining room table. Like that kind of like quick consistency creates trust with each other because then your words can match your actions. And so when I first moved in with Brian, uh, who's now my fiance, one of his things was that he really doesn't, it's very anxiety inducing for him to have random bits of paper around the apartment. He kind of wants that all. Some of you are smiling because this is resonating with you. Uh, random bits of paper like receipts and stuff is um, chaotic and anxiety inducing. And so he's like, I just kind of need all of that cleared out. And then the first, it was like the first week, I left a receipt out on the table. Uh-oh. And, and this was before I Marie Kondo, so I was definitely the messier roommate. And uh, Brian goes to the table and picks up the receipt and says, I care about you, but this is pure chaos to me. And then set it back on the table and then said, would you like to clean this up? And it was like such a learning moment, uh, both for like, okay, so this is what I'm signing up for, if I continue to stay with this guy. But also it was, he was creating an opportunity for me to show care for him. And I love that because I um, am somehow not gifted with the ability to magically read people's minds. I don't know about you, but I can't read people's minds. And so it's helpful when people reinforce their needs because then I can show care for them. So, um, so <laughs> that, and by the way, I don't leave receipts around anymore. Uh, and after this process, I actually am the tidier roommate. So um, just, <laughs> just saying, just saying. Sometimes Brian watches these live streams because he wants to see the sermon, and now you're just gonna, like, I told the world, Brian, your business. your business is our business. Okay, uh, hey, uh, I just want to conclude with some uh, three very practical things that does work in my living situation. Maybe it works in your living situation, maybe it doesn't. Just some things to keep in mind. Uh, first off, that it's really helpful to have completely different sections for things that you don't share. So um, one of the perks of being in a gay relationship is you can like share clothes. Like Brian and I can actually like fit into each, each other's clothes and it, it, in some sense, it would make sense for us to have all of our clothes together because then we would just have one wardrobe. Uh, but that is not, that does not result in peace uh, in between Brian and me. What creates peace is when there's like Tyler's clothes in the Tyler spot and the Brian clothes in the Brian spot, and both of us can decide the tidiness level that they desire for each of those areas. So um, having kind of like one person in charge of one spot is helpful in as many places as possible. Um, drawers for toiletries, like this is the Brian drawer, this is the Tyler drawer, I'm just not gonna look in the Brian drawer. Like this is the, uh, so uh, sometimes that's helpful for um, where there can be divided things. 
Two is we committed to each other that there is no implied chore coverage. This seems to happen a lot with cereal bowls. So sometimes if Brian uh, eats cereal and then leaves it out on the table uh, I, and, and doesn't clean it up, I come across that bowl and think, it would be so easy for me to tidy this up for my partner, and I'll do this for him. And I put it into the dishwasher. This is my natural instinct, to put it into the dishwasher for him. But I realized that every time I do that, I pick up two little coins of resentment for my partner. <laughs> just, two, like, just two pennies of resentment. Not big resentment, but just like a little bit of like, why am I doing this for him? Just a little bit. But the thing about resentment is like, those little coins all add up and start accruing interest. And eventually, like, I found myself kind of blowing up at Brian in ways that weren't actually fair to him. And so we decided that we are going to um, have a policy where if you leave something out, then it is your responsibility to clean it up. I'm not going to do that for you. Um, and, and even like, like Brian and I, a couple weeks ago, had COVID. We're totally um, testing negative for that now. But it was like, even with him having COVID, I wasn't going to tidy his stuff for him unless he asked me to, in which case I would love to. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really about um, putting the energy of responsibility into the space. And lastly, and some of you might not like this, uh, I literally have something called a conflict binder, where, like, literally, if, yeah, 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 this is real life. So it's like, if Brian and I have a fight, usually it's not over shared space, but if we have a big fight, and then we find resolution for that fight, we literally write down like what happened and what was the resolution that we found on a page in a binder so that we can start reading through these conflicts and noticing patterns in our conflict. So it's not just the incident, it's the pattern. The only reason why this works, though, is because both of us committed that this worship, or not worship companion, this conflict binder is, um, it's not a weapon, it's a memory. So it's like, you, it's not okay to be like, going through and be like, hey, you promised that you do this, see this, like it's not okay to use it as a letter of the law kind of thing. No, no, no. But rather as just a memory of like, wow, it seems like um, every Thanksgiving we have certain types of fights. Maybe there are ways that we can look ahead to next Thanksgiving and start to anticipate some of those. That's what that's for, it's for memory. Some of you aren't gonna be into that, but I, I just, I'm just such a fan. Um, I, I, I guess I should name that like, all of these things are again, just microcosms for how you're practicing your faith in life. Like all of these things, I was especially thinking of this, um, this process is like, if you are going to follow Jesus, it will be helpful for you to have a sense of interior awareness and process. If you're going to follow Jesus, it will be helpful for you to know how to communicate well with other people and to create some type of shared covenant or understanding of what community looks like. If you are going to follow Jesus, then it will be helpful for you to practice holding people accountable without being judgmental. 
These are just like the practices that we cultivate as a community, and they apply to our homes, but they also apply to our cities and to our countries and to the world. Like we will eventually, if we do solve climate change, it will be from people being able to have self-awareness, covenanting with each other what they desire, and holding people accountable to that dream. This is the, this is the task, this is the scale. And I want to challenge you to like actually, in this process, look for the splinters and logs that are showing up in your shared space. I know that it's really easy and nice to come to church and listen to a, a nice talk about a certain topic and then put that in a drawer and not think about it throughout the week. But your faith will never be able to blossom unless you start looking at how God is moving in your life like Monday through Saturday in all of your everyday interactions. So um, Godspeed and uh, good luck with all those logs. <laughs> <laughs>